0: God bless you all. It's wonderful to be here with you today. Amen. I uh, I am honored to be here with you. I give honor to each of you in the body of Christ, especially to Elder Hart. And Sister Hart, we love them. I'm thankful that he asked me to be here and and speak today. We give honor to our bishop and to give honor to my wife as well. We we had a wonderful time this past week at the Landmark Conference in Stockton, California. That was beautiful. I'm sure you're going to hear more about that. Uh, as time moves on, so I don't want to try to do any more recap uh, than necessary of that today. But um, the, there is just a there is a common thread, and there's a, and there's a spiritual principle that when the Lord is is speaking, that the church that has an ear hears what the Spirit is saying. And uh, I, like, like I said, I'm not going to take the time to go through and try to share much of that. I, I'm sure you will be hearing more about it um, as time goes on. But two of, the, two of the main, I guess you could call them themes or things that the Lord seemed to continuously hit on and minister on throughout each one of the day and night services there was, uh, I would call it consecration. Like what Brother Rodriguez was saying, and and uh, covenant to be in a covenant with the Lord. I I want to take some time and read from the Book of Judges, chapter two. This this chapter highlights some some key elements, key portions of those two things: consecration and covenant, and it's. It's really kind of a recap of the early stages of, of the, the Lord's dealing with the children of Israel. And he made a covenant, if you remember, he made a promise to Abraham. And he said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And your children, your descendants are going to be my people, my chosen, my special People And I'm entering a covenant with them. I'm entering an agreement, a promise with them. And if you, if you, many of us are probably reading the Bible and maybe starting towards the beginning with it being the month of January, the beginning of the year. So uh, if you are, then you're not at all unfamiliar with Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob, and how God started this nation of Israel through those, those men, through those fathers, and I've, I've said this many times, you might have heard me say this recently, but the Bible really is, you, you can think of the Bible as the story of Abraham, uh, we know it's, it's all the way up to us today, and it's got the Old Testament, the New Testament. It's got the story of creation. It's got all those different elements, but it tells the story from God setting the stage for his people to God selecting his people, God moving upon his people, and living through his people And we are, the scripture says that we are the seed of Abraham, heirs according to the promise of Abraham. I I learned a song in, in Sunday school when I was little called Father Abraham. You ever heard that song? Raise your hand if you've heard that song. Father Abraham had many sons and I'm one of them. They taught me that in Sunday school. I thought, well, that's interesting because my dad's name is not Abraham. My dad's name is Danny. But Father Abraham, because the Lord told Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. Abraham had no sons, no daughters, no descendants of any kind well on into the later part of his life. And the Lord was still saying, my promise is, to give you descendants that outnumber the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. So, Father Abraham, you will be a great nation. But the nation of Israel, as we follow through the descendants of Abraham, they weren't the only people on the earth. You realize that. There were other nations, there were other empires, there were other places in the earth filled with other people. And again, those of us that are doing a, a, like a Bible reading program that have started in Genesis, you see how quickly the earth got populated with people from Adam and Eve down to their sons and grandsons and, and descendants. And then it's like it didn't take long at all for, their, for it to seem like There's people and nations all over the world. So God's chosen this one particular group, and he says, I'm going to choose to let my spirit dwell in you. In the Old Testament, you had to have the right earthly lineage, the right parents, the right bloodline to be a part of that nation. But like I said, now... It's a, it has become a spiritual covenant, a spiritual promise. And even though many of you and I don't look alike, we don't, you wouldn't look at us and say, oh, they grew up in the same house. They had the same mom and dad, the same cousins and aunties and, and all that. Uh, we are brothers and sisters in the spirit. You know, that's why we, I realize sometimes you think there's not a lot of people like us in the world. Because why do you know why do we call each other brother and sister so and so? I got brother Jacinto back there. I didn't know him until just a few years ago. So how is he my brother? I didn't grow up in the same house as him. We didn't eat the same cereal at the table together. But he's my brother. And you ladies are my sisters. How does that work? Because we are a part of the body, the family of Christ in the earth. We understand that this is a spiritual thing. But now that you and me are a part of the family, we have also not just the thing called brothers and sisters, but we have ancestors. We have fathers many. We have nations, history, many. If You, 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 you can't decide, well, yeah, I'm going to be a part of this family, a part of this tribe, a part of this group, but I'm only going to go back three generations because that fourth generation, uh, I, don't, I don't really get along with them very well. Or the fifth or sixth, you trace it back far enough, and I don't want to be identified with them at all. It doesn't work that way. Right? Just like you don't get to choose your, your brothers and sisters. You don't get to choose your grandparents or your great-great-great-grandparents. You didn't get to choose whether you were descendant of Ham, Shem, or Japheth, right? The sons of Noah. But we all trace our not only our physical background, but our spiritual lineage to these men and women, to these fathers. So I can't distance myself so much from the natural children of Israel and say, well, that was just them and they had their issues. Boy, did they have their issues, but not us today. Nope. They, they are my ancestry. They are my lineage. I didn't choose that. God chose that. So when I read the Bible and when I read through this the stories and the history of these this group of people, I can see myself in their story. That is my grandpa. That is my great-grandpa. That is your ancestry spiritually because God's people are God's people, not just in Yakima, not just in the United States or North America. God's people are God's people. We say this, we understand that when we're talking about God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we want to kind of draw a circle around our our group of people that live on the earth and say, yeah, he's the same yesterday and today and forever, but we're special because we've only been here for 20 years or 50 years or 100 years. It goes all the way back. So when we read this in the book of Judges, where we're going to look today, don't think of this as just some history lesson that you are completely disconnected from. You, you, you don't, you've never heard of some of these people. You've never seen them. You don't know what they look like. Maybe you think, well, physically they didn't look like me and they grew up in a different part of the world. Judges chapter 2, verse 1. Before I, before I start reading here, as we were singing that song earlier, Jesus at the center, Um. The Lord kind of sparked this thought in my mind. I just want to share it with you quickly. There's a part of that song that says, everything revolves around you. Jesus at the center, everything revolves around you. Now, I'm trying to be polite and friendly, but let's just talk openly. Have you ever met somebody, or maybe, maybe you've just heard this, other people say this. What do we say about somebody that is selfish? You think the world revolves around you. Get that picture in your mind. Not you, hopefully, or the person sitting next to you. But you've, maybe you've heard that saying, oh, they just think the world revolves around them. So I've got five kids, and sometimes I've got to let one of the five know The world doesn't revolve around you. Okay? So if a selfish person thinks, Sundays are about me. I got to get up at this time. I've got to get dressed this way. I've got to eat this breakfast so I can go to this church so I can see these people. I can sing those songs. I can hear this word. I can shake those hands. What is that? That's a a mindset that says this is revolving around me. And then it's not only a Sunday thing, it's a Monday through Saturday thing. I've got to get up, I've got to go to work, I've got to work, my job. And if my perspective is not right, I see the world revolving around me. But like that song says, the right way to look at it is, Jesus, you're the center. And everything revolves around you lord you woke me up today i get to go participate in your kingdom today i get to do your will today lord if you're speaking to me and telling me i need to adjust something in my life change something about my life i'm not making that about me i'm making that about you i'm putting you at the center I'm making my life revolve around you, Lord. Judges chapter 2, verse 1. And the angel of the Lord came from Gilgal to Bochem and said, I made you to go out of Egypt. Everybody say, out of Egypt. So that's going to give you just the idea of where we're, what we're reading about. I made you go out of Egypt. I've brought you unto the land, which I swear... Unto your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Everybody say, covenant. Covenant. I swore that I would not break my covenant with you. When God makes a promise, he intends to keep that promise. Verse 2 And you, everybody say, "me." me, you shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. I'm going to try to go quickly, but the, the word league, maybe if you've ever done a type of a recreational sport as a part of a league, you understand a little bit about what, what does a league mean. I played softball for a while in, a, in a, a recreational softball league, right there on Lions Park, right across off 82, and you, if you've driven past... Uh, Walmart on the left, softball fields on the right. You know where I'm talking about. There was a time I played in a league on those fields. Me and you couldn't just go there right now and expect everybody to show up. Well, we got a game today. No, it's within the league. The, the, the league sets the rules, the parameters. We show up at Tuesday at 730, and then there's a game and you won't feel foolish just walking out there by yourself but everybody'll be there and then you got to wear the uniform you got to bring the equipment you play the game you got to follow the rules you can't just decide well there's only two of us but yeah sure we'll take on all 10 of you no not in the league the league has rules that's a lot different than let's just say okay everybody that wants to play softball today after church let's all go out to the field and we'll just see who shows up and see how it goes there there's a difference in the league, you got to follow the rules. So what the Spirit of the Lord is saying here to the people is, don't make a league with the inhabitants of this land. I'm giving you this land, and there's already people that live there. Don't go join their leagues. Now, I'm not preaching against softball or recreational sports. Don't misunderstand me. But the, the, the issue is, when you join an agreement that people of the land get to set the rules about, you will be expected to follow those rules. If one of the rules is, oh man, here we go. If one of the rules of the league is you play on Sunday, you play on Saturday, and if you win, you play on Sunday. Well, that's a rule in the league. Why would the Lord care about that? Because if I know that the Lord has told me on Sunday, I need to be at the house of God at 1115 for church service. But my league says, well, on the game's at 11 o'clock on Sunday. Oh, wait a second. That got real serious, real fast. Because what happened? I'm, I'm, I got these rules I can follow or I got these rules I can follow. And I can't do both at the same time. The Lord is telling his people, when you get to the land that's full of people, that I'm not their God, don't make an agreement with them. Don't join a league with them. Yea, you shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Verse 3, wherefore I also said... I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. If I the Lord said, if I would have had my way, I would have kicked them all out. It would have been a vacant land. You wouldn't have to share it with anybody. Their gods wouldn't be an issue to you. Their rules, their leagues wouldn't be an issue to you. You just get to go in and do your thing, our thing, our way. But God said, since you haven't kept your part of the covenant, the agreement, I'm not keeping my part. I'm not going to kick them out of the land. I'm going to let them stay there, and I'm going to force you to have to try to live my way among them. That's just what the Lord's saying here. They shall be as thorns in your side, Their gods shall be a snare. That means a trap to you. Verse 4. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spoke these words unto the children of Israel that all the people lifted up their voice and wept. Everybody say weeping. Weeping. They hear this word and they start their responses. Oh God, why am I in this predicament? Why did you make this so difficult on me? I realize I didn't follow your rules. Next verse, verse 5. They called the name of that place Bokim, which means weeping. And they sacrificed there unto the Lord. Verse 6. When Joshua had had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance To possess the land. Oh, that doesn't. Why are we not seeing rejoicing? They, They wandered through the wilderness for so long. They were led out of captivity to the promised land. They went through so much trial and torment to get to this promised land. And when Joshua finally says, There's your land, go to it. It's not with rejoicing, but it's with weeping because the Lord had to, had to stop and remind them, yeah, we got here, but look at the circumstances under which we got here. My promise, my plan was to take you directly point A to point B, but instead we had that whole detour. Everybody say covenant. Say agreement. Because my covenant and my agreement was not followed. That's why we're coming into the land under these conditions. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. They get to the land. They get to their inheritance. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. You see this? They made it to the promised land. Moses died before, remember, and he passes the baton on to Joshua. Joshua leads them into the promised land. He lives for a while once they get there, and he dies. While he was alive, they followed, they served the Lord. And then while the other elders that, were, that outlived Joshua became in the land with Joshua, when they died, until they died, the people served the Lord. You're still with me. Say amen. Amen. So the people served the Lord in the days of Joshua and the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Verse 8, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. Joshua died. Everybody say Joshua died. Being 110 years old. Go to verse 8. No, sorry. Go to verse 10. And also... All that generation were gathered unto their fathers. That means they all died. Joshua's generation, It's it's a funny, fancy way of saying they died. They were gathered unto their fathers. All that generation passed away. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord in the promised land that they had worked so hard waited so long strove so difficultly to get to this land as soon as that generation all passed away there arose a new generation that knew not the lord or the works that he had done for israel it's just like a it's like a bunch of people looking around saying how do we even get here I don't know how we got here. Somebody one time said something about some frogs, and, and we got here. You know, as, I don't know. I don't have the complete understanding. Somebody said something about an ocean parting, but, you know, I didn't see it. You, they didn't see it. We don't know how we got here. We just know we're here. They didn't know the Lord. They didn't know the works the Lord had done for Israel. Verse 11, the children of Israel did evil. In the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. What did he say? Because of this, the agreement being broken. I'm not driving the people out of the land. There are going to be thorns in your side and their gods are going to be snares, traps to you. It didn't take very long at all. It took one generation passing away for us to see. He was right. Those gods were a snare, were a trap. And we see them serving, following the gods of the people around them. They bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Verse 13 And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not, no longer stand before their enemies. What a tragic thing it is to be a captive in the promised land. I thought the promised land was going to end all of the struggle. I thought once we got out of slavery and bondage to the land that's flowing with milk and honey, I thought it was just going to be good times. I thought it was just going to be easy and no no struggles, no worries. And the Lord says, no, you forsook me and my ways. You didn't remember me and my ways. You didn't follow me and my ways. You've chosen this path. You've chosen to end up in this condition. So that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. This is... This is the same group, the same nation of people. It's a generation removed, but it's the same family of people that were kicking out whole armies from town to town to get where they got. They'd move into this nation, and they'd march around some walls, and those walls would fall and the Lord would give them victory. They'd go to the next town and they'd say, you don't even have to fight us. We heard what happened in the last one. Here's the keys. I'm not going to fight you. I surrender. And their, grand- their grandchildren get to the promised land. Their sons and daughters, their grandchildren get to the promised land. And the Lord's saying, I can't even fight for you in your own land. I can't help you withstand the enemy In your own land. Because of this thing called the covenant, the promise, the agreement. I'm willing to hold up my end, but there's two parties to this. There's two sides to this. Would you just pray with me where you're seated there, Lord? I want to do my part in the covenant. I want to do my part in the agreement, Lord Jesus. God, I know that you have things that you expect of your people. You have things, God, that you ask of us, that you require of us. Lord, I'm not just trying to make this easy and and painless, Lord, and expecting you to do all the work for me. Lord, I am willing. To do my part, God, in this covenant, in this promise, in this agreement that you have with me, Lord Jesus. Let's keep reading. Verse 15 Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Verse 16. Nevertheless, that's a big word, but I'm thankful because it means even though, even though they had lived in these conditions, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges. I'm going to put men and women in charge to try to reinstitute, to try to reinstate my, my rule, my laws, my ways. Because I'm in this covenant, I'm in this agreement. If just if just one child would turn back to me and say, but I am a, I'm the seed of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and God, I know you made a promise to them. And oh, my brothers, they need you. My sisters, they're falling off the wagon. But God, I'm holding you to your word and I'm going to do my part. Then God hears that and God sees that and he says, that's my child and I've got a covenant with them. And thankfully, we had enough of our ancestry that decided we are doing wrong and we need to do right. And so it says the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet. So it was all good. Not quite. The Lord raised up judges. What did judges do? They tell you right and wrong. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges. But they went a-whoring after other gods, bowed themselves unto them. It just, it's on repeat. That's what it feels like, right? It's on repeat. The Lord saves. The Lord delivers. The child wanders. The child strays. Then the Lord saves. He delivers. Then the child strays again, turning again to another god, another idol, turning again to another false god. And then the Lord says, I'm going to send my word again. I'm going to raise up another man, another woman, a judge, a prophet, a priest. I'm going to try to always bring My word of direction and instruction back to my people. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. Verse 18. When the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. As long as that judge was alive, Will follow him. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. It's in the nature of the Lord as our father, our parent, he's our father and our mother. It's in his nature as our parent to hear the cry of the oppressed and want to deliver. It's not right. Of a parent, I mean, I, I, I get it. I've been there, and you probably like me. You you understand. Sometimes you got the child that's learning to walk. You got to let them fall, right? <laughs> and you know, when they fall, they're not probably not going to start laughing about it. They're going to start crying about it. <laughs> or sometimes, maybe you've seen this. I don't know, but when you got a little child, one two year old toddler type. And they got a toy that they love. Maybe it was a a present that you gave them. And they love that thing. But you put them down with other kids that are going to play. And you see a kid come and take that out of their hand. Now we get to test our parenthood. Because do we step in and say, hey, no, no, you give that back to him. That's his. Or do you say... I wonder I wonder how my child is going to handle this. They're not probably not going to throw their arms around them. There you go. That's yours. You you take it. They're going to throw a little pity party. They're going to start to cry and then you know you got a normal child. And then whatever you do from there on, I don't know. This is not nursery class today or refereeing class today. But We go through these things and we see as a parent, I I don't want my child to suffer. I know they've got to go through some hardship to learn and grow up, but in my nature as a parent, I'm not just going to let them suffer and continue to suffer when they come and ask me for help, when they want to seek me to do what's right. I'm going to try to help lead them in the way that's right. That's the nature of God. And that's why we see this on repeat. The Lord saying, I'll I'll forgive you, and I'll lead you again. I'll forgive you, and I'll send my word again. I'll give you direction and instruction, and we'll see if you follow it this time. I'm almost done. Verse 19. It came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them. Verse 20. In the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. Verse 22, That through them I may prove, everybody say prove, That I may prove Israel. My people, I've got to prove them. I've got to test them. I've got to challenge them. I've got to see if they're really going to do what's right. Whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did. Or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily. Neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. You can stand with me. I want to read two more verses. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43 and 18. As you're turning there, just let let me tell you one quick story from Landmark that the Lord really spoke to me in this moment. Because we're talking about the Father that that loves and forgives and teaches and proves and tests and challenges, does all these things. That's the nature of God, our Father. And we're talking about children that stray versus children that want to follow and obey. You know the story of Daniel. I'm not going to take the time to go into it in the scripture. But Daniel and three others, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were taken into Babylon, taken into captivity. And because the favor of the Lord was upon them, they were were put with, you could call it the elite group of Babylon. And the king said, or the king's servant said, You all are special. We're going to give you the best food, the best wine. We're going to let you have the best diet of everybody in the land because the king has chosen you. But these four Hebrews, they said it's not right for us to partake of that. When the preacher mentioned that story there at Landmark, he said they must have had good parents. The Bible, to my knowledge, doesn't go into detail about their parents, but I see the point he's making. At at an early age, these were likely teenage boys. At an early age, they knew, man, that steak probably tastes good. You know, they got some good chefs here, I bet. They know how to cook a steak. They know how to press a wine, add the right amount of sugar in there. I will bet it tastes so sweet. But you know what? I'm not going to let just the occasion for it around me cause me to partake in that which I know is not right. You know how easy it would have been for them to to justify and say, Hey, we're here in conditions outside of our control, so the Lord must be wanting us to partake. No, that's not the accurate way to look at it. They knew. I'm in a covenant. I'm in a promise. I'm in an agreement with the Lord. And wherever the Lord allows me to be taken, and whatever rules He's given and put inside of me, I'm going to obey that. I'm going to follow that. Now, this is why I want you to look at this passage really, really quickly here. This is Isaiah. And whether you have the parents that taught you from a child or not. I'm sure many of us in here did not have parents that trained us. One day, the gods of the other nations are going to come to you and try to tempt you or give you things. Don't follow. Most of us probably didn't even have that degree of lessonhood in our childhood. But look at what the Lord says here. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Somebody say, it starts with me. Starts with me. I'm, I'm hearing about, about my grandparents today. I'm hearing about my ancestors today. I'm hearing about those nations before me and, 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 and all the lineage. And man, they were good and bad and good and bad and good and bad. But it starts with me today. I will do a new thing, the Lord says. It shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Verse 21 says, This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. That's me and that's you. The Lord has formed us. For himself. That's what it says. Not he didn't form us himself. He formed us for himself. If, if I can get the right view of myself and say, I belong to God. My life is not my own. I didn't choose to be born and live this way. God made me this way. And he did it for himself. That's how you get Jesus at the center of your life. That's how you know whatever decisions I make, they're gonna revolve around Him. This world doesn't revolve around me. These are not my choices for my good the way I wanna do it. Would you just close your eyes again with me? Would you let the Lord speak to you? I'm gonna ask you if you would. Just concentrate on the Lord here for a moment. Come on, let the Lord speak to us. I'm going to open this front, this altar. You can come and stand or kneel, but would you find a place to pray? Would you let the Lord speak to you about the covenant that he has with you? About the agreement that he has with you? Jesus, my life is not my own. God, I belong to you. I'm bought. I'm bought with a price, God, that you paid for me. I, I, want, us to, I, I want us to all pray us this way together before we go forward. And we pray individually. Because like I said, I, I, I see myself when I, when I read this scripture. We're reading about centuries ago, but I see myself because those are my people. And yes, there's times that the Lord sends clear instruction, and I know what's right and wrong, and I do wrong. And then he sends instruction again. He says, this is your chance to get right. I think it would be good if we all prayed a prayer of repentance together. Repentance simply says, I did do wrong, but I want, with the help of God, to do right. Let's pray that. Lord Jesus, God, I thank you for this chance to get right before you god i want to be in right relationship with you i want to be on the right side of this agreement with you god in this covenant with you lord jesus i pray lord and i thank you for forgiving me of my sin i thank you for washing me and making me clean lord jesus creating a new heart a clean heart inside of me I'm thankful for it, Jesus. I receive the work of your blood today, God. I receive the work of your promise today in my life, Lord Jesus. Come on, why don't you just begin to talk to the Lord and let him talk to you. Jesus, in your name. Come on, the Lord wants to establish some new covenants here today between you and him. He's making his word known to you. He's making his direction known to you. He's going to raise up judges. He's going to raise up prophets. Those that say this is the right way. This is the word of God. This is the direction of God. Come on, would you just close your eyes and talk to the Lord? Close your eyes and talk to the Lord. Jesus I am here for you, Jesus I belong to you, Jesus I belong to you. say one more thing here I want to say one more thing here just to help us all before we go. I mentioned earlier things that we do that just make us unlike other people. Things that make us a little strange, a little different sometimes like calling calling you brother, calling you sister most people don't do that or don't understand why we do that. There's another thing that we do in the Bible and we do it because it's instruction in the Word of God, which is we raise our hands. Now, I I know most churches you go to, you'll probably see one or two people, sometimes a group of people raise their hands, but it's not an action that just comes naturally to most of us. If you've been going to church a long time, sure, you've probably gotten somewhat more comfortable with that but if this is new to you or maybe you just think i'll let brother lewis do it because he looks like he enjoys it it's in the bible and it's instruction of god to his people all of us we don't just raise our hands because it feels good we don't just raise our hands because somebody else in the room is doing it or because we saw it somewhere it is instruction just like the scripture says clap your hands lift your voice all those things we do those things and it says to raise your hands before we go today i think it would be awesome i think it would be great and it would be in order if we all together would raise our hands as a sign of worship and surrender to the lord and then just raise your voice to the lord as well can we do that Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. I worship you, Jesus. You are good to me, God. Oh, I'm thankful to you, Jesus. I'm thankful that you love me, God. I'm thankful that you care for me, Jesus. That you watch over me, God. I'm thankful, Lord, for your promises to me and to my life. I'm thankful for your hand and your power. God, I'm thankful for your love. God, I'm thankful for all that you've done. I shouldn't even be here, God, but I'm thankful you've made a way for it. I'm thankful you've provided a way for me in my life. I worship you, Jesus. Come on, let your heart worship the Lord. Let your heart pour out worship to the Lord. Hallelujah. the Lord some praise why don't you come on give the Lord some praise he's worthy all the time he's worthy of my uplifted hands he's worthy of my raised voice he's worthy of all praise all glory all honor hallelujah Jesus I worship you God I worship you I praise you you are wonderful hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. I want to encourage you before we go today. I want to just encourage you. Part, if my heart, if my will is to say, I want to be in a good relationship with God, I want to obey him, serve him, love him. Part of that ought to be, I should be more comfortable than what I am to praise the Lord. To worship the Lord this is not like a rah-rah a thing like come on we do this because we're in church this is he's so good to me and he deserves so much praise that if I can't even clap my hand or raise my hand to the Lord that has nothing to do with him that has everything to do with me and if I'm talking today about working on me in my relationship with him, I'm challenging all of us. Let's get a little more comfortable. Let's get a little more comfortable in my expression of praise and worship to the Lord. Amen. God bless you. I love you. You're dismissed. Greet one another in Jesus' name.